Welcome to The Apple of Truth, a weekly podcast where we cover every episode of Lucifer while exploring plot holes and admiring the guyliner, all with love for the show and its creators. I'm Lena. And I'm Vero. And today we're covering Lucifer Season 2, Episode 3, Sin Eater. Ooh, it sounds slightly decadent. Not when you go to the Wikipedia page and read up on what actually Sin Eater means, because, spoiler, the context Lucifer uses later on is not a correct one. What about German name? How did the Germans do? Actually, the German translation is very, very literal, except we didn't use the word for eat we use the word for devour, so our translation is even more intense. If you say a sin eater and then you connect it with devour, the first thing I imagine is, what's his name? Devouring his own children? Kronos devouring their children? Do you know the painting? Oh yeah, with the... And then he has like bits of his children around, it's gross. But that's what I, every single time when somebody says devour in my presence, this is the first thing that comes to my mind. <laughs> I remember other shows with Devourer of the Worlds, but you always are mean to me when I start talking about Whedon, so I will not. I'm just saying. Your notes in the recording say Whedon, dot, 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 again. <laughs> because we keep talking about him, but I always cut it so our listeners don't have to listen to you. It's okay. What they do have to listen to is I wrote a summary because as usual the official summaries are lacking and mostly boring. So my summary for today's episode goes Lucifer has yet another partial existential crisis. Ames joins the mom is not going back to hell club. Dan is the man and our favorite side characters all get to make an appearance. Yay! And a new segment is coming in. The obsession of the week. Did you write one down? Yes, I have. What did you write down? My obsession of the week is I am a punisher. I'm very close. My obsession is why do I punish? Yes. <laughs> I kind of went back and forth on why am I a Punisher? Am I a Punisher? I am a Punisher. Pretty much the Punisher would be the obsession of the week. The word of the week. <laughs> One fact and fun bit. We have a repeat writer for this episode. The name is Alex Katz Nelson, and they already wrote, because I don't know if it's a guy or a girl, so I say they already wrote two episodes that we covered. They wrote Wingman, which is the one with the stolen container, and they wrote Pops, which is the one with the dead chef and Chloe's mom. Hmm. They are gonna write more parts in the future. I was happy with the writing, and I expect you were really happy with the writing, because damn, there's a shit ton of puns. There is a lot of puns. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to say, I liked them. Oh my god. Yes. Oh wow, that is a high praise for... Because they were highly inappropriately timed. I think the humor in this episode is on a very high level. Yes, so praise be Katz Nelson. <laughs> so let's get into it with the previously on Lucifer. Mom escaped hell, she's not there to kill Lucy, Dan lied to Chloe and got demoted, Maze is finding herself, Ames is a plucked chicken, Maze spills to Mom that Lucy made a deal to get her back to hell, Mom flips the table on God when she convinces Lucy to stay on Earth. Thank you for using the plucked chicken imagery. You said it so many times last week that I just could not not use it. That makes me very, <laughs> very happy. You're welcome. <laughs> you know what also made me really, really happy? Yes. The fucking cold open of this episode. It's so good. Holy shit. So gruesome. And there is a song coming with it. And its name is Wicked One 
by Labris. Very fitting. Which is very fitting as per usual. And oh my god, I love how it all starts. And you think that this guy is genuinely just really, really sorry for his sins. And I believe him. Same. And it feels very sincere. And then the camera pans out and you see that he is fucking tied to a pole. Yeah. What the fuck? I have a tiny issue with the scene though. So you're very happy with it, but you have a tiny issue. I have a tiny, tiny issue. And I wonder if you can tell me. What does he use to light the pyre? I didn't pay too much attention to it, but it looked like a torch that was... So I paid attention because to me it looked like he held those match sets that you have from hotels. That you just like flip open and you have several matches in there. But right before that you can hear the sound of a Zippo lighter flicking open. So I was like, okay, what the fuck did you use? A Zippo or a match set? Or did you light the match set with the Zippo? I know it's bullshit complaint, but it was just because the sound was so clear in my ears. With the flick. Well, we then later know that he does have a Zippo. So maybe he just wanted to be symbolic for some reason for him to use matches. Maybe he didn't want to throw the Zippo into the pyre or something. I don't know, but it just didn't fit together. So I was like, oh my God, this scene is so amazing. What's that sound? Wait a moment. <laughs> Freeze frame. Go back. This is not a Zippo in his hand. <laughs> this is so you. <laughs> yes, I know. But otherwise, so gruesome and so well done. And also, fucking hell, the transition into the next scene was so well done. Mm-hmm. As per usual. With the lighting of whatever it is that he uses to light the pyre, turning into the candlelight of the wax session into the next scene. So, super happy. But I actually named this scene... A hint of a murder. Because we don't actually see the murder. We just see this murderer person approach the victim with a fire. Yeah, it's it's only implied. Yeah, I called it hot cold opening. Huh? Huh? Uh, That's good. Speaking of hot and speaking of like, the beginning of the next scene, I was so there for it. Because Lucifer is playing with safe words. He says, just say the word and he'll stop, which is the perfect definition of a fucking safe word. Because he plays with humans and humans are very breakable for immortals. So yay for safe SM wax play. Thank you. I'm so there for it. But sadly, instantly my mood got soured because I'm not there for the cock blocking mom. I do wonder though, watching this scene, how much of the oblivions that Charlotte is showing in this scene and throughout this episode on a couple of different occasions, how much of that is sincere and how much of that is her trying to manipulate Lucifer somehow. Because I believe that some of it is sincere, but I also believe that some of the things that she is kind of putting out there are set for the reason to put Lucifer in a difficult place. I fully agree. I feel some amount is manipulation, but I fear that the bigger amount is genuine. And I fear that the whole mom not understanding humans shtick is gonna be a thing the entire season. And that's a trope I'm not a fan of in general. So I really hope they get over it quite quickly. Mm. And at the end, Lucifer basically forcing her to immerse herself into a proper family. I hope that it's basically just going to be like one or at most two more episodes where she has to like get a handle on the whole what humans do and what they don't. And then we will be done with it and then I will be fine with it if it's not more. I understand the necessity to get a non-human character immersed into the culture and everything. But please don't let it be a thing the entire season. 
What I found surprising, and I'm not sure, did I miss it in season one? Did we already know this? That Amenadiel was the one to bring mom down to hell? No, we did not, I don't think. Because I was like... Damn, how much more daddy's boy can you get than carrying your mother into eternal damnation? Yeah, it didn't surprise me though, because it fits him perfectly. It is pretty much what you expect of him, because he is presenting himself as Michael of this world. Yes. And that is supposedly the righteous son that will do anything to obey his father. Yes, we may not have the mom character in the regular lore. But it still fits the profiles absolutely fits the narrative i'm actually curious if we will ever meet a michael in lucifer lore because then i would be even more interested who amanadiel was supposed to be yeah i want to meet more angels and see what respective roles they fill like will we get more classic christian lore angels or will we get more made-up angels like amanadiel also in this scene the word punisher is used for the first time in this episode that is true lucifer says i'm a punisher mother that's what i've always done anything that changed was the locale which is a very nice phrasing very good quotes and also for me it was a very nice repeat of his realized base motivation in season one this is what he realized in one of the therapy sessions with linda and afterwards really embraced working with chloe Mm -hmm. so instead of giving us clunky exposition we just get this one really well phrased sentence and summarize his realization from season one Writing-wise, damn, I'm there for it. Yeah, and then we move on to the precinct where we have a really short moment there and we have a song that comes with it that's called If You Wanna Leave by Thurbjörn Risager. <laughs> oh, that's a mean title. It's very fitting, but damn. Yeah. I have to say that I adore the fact that Trixie is so easily bribable. It's so good. It's nice that they stick with the chocolate cake routine. Yes. We do get a little hint of a family camping trip and... At this stage, I completely forgot that Chloe and Dan are still married. This is what I called the scene, the still married, question mark, troubles continue. I wasn't sure if they were still married or not. Yeah, I completely blacked it out. And then when uh, in the penultimate scene, Dan asks for the divorce, I was just like, oh, fuck, I forgot. But it makes a lot of sense. Their behavior kind of makes a lot of sense in that aspect, because they are still tied together, not just by the fact that they have a child together but because they are technically still married and officially both still trying to find a working solution for their family because they are still a family period exactly and they're always gonna be a family exactly they're always gonna be a family and Dan says as much at the very end but I'm gonna go into it into more detail at the very end yeah I'd like to do that as well but it was very surprising that they even dropped the hint of the family camping trip it's like what interesting what for me was surprising Dan has evolved over the course of these few episodes character wise so so much Mm -hmm. that I side with him without any maybes or addendums or anything I'm a hundred percent with him both in this scene and the penultimate scene because when he points out that any issues that the two of them have should not accidentally affect Trixie he not only is right in what he's saying but he also implies that he's aware that it's 
not deliberate on Chloe's side. Which is something that, in my opinion, season one, Dan, would not have been mature enough to be able to... He's obviously very hurt by the whole interaction and the coldness from Chloe towards him. And Chloe obviously has a reason for it. Yes, yes, I'm not blaming Chloe for anything, but he's obviously hurt by being shut down by Chloe. But he still has the emotional maturity to not blame her for it. So I was just like, damn, Dan is good. Yep, and to use a phrase that my sister used when she was watching this episode with me, this is not what I signed up for. I signed up for Dan hate. What the fuck? This is the last straw to lose any animosity I had left for Dan. And I absolutely agree. It doesn't happen yet right now, but with that last scene of his in this episode, it just... Yeah. It changes everything. So in the middle of the argument between Dan and Chloe, Chloe gets a phone call and that brings us to our crime scene that we saw in the cold open. I have a few notes about Ella here. I fucking love that she is a pool of useless fun information. Like, yes, crayons are made out of paraffin. Thank you very much. But Ella and Lucifer are just playing so well off each other in this scene. Their whole roll of jokes about the crotch on fire. I was really into the puns. They were perfectly inappropriate. But I also feel that the writing for both characters playing off each other is really good. But I feel like both actors have to have great chemistry to pull this off. I don't know how well the two of them get along in real life. But this felt to me like, okay, these two really enjoy working with each other. To be fair, Amy Garcia seems like an absolute ray of sunshine on social media. And everybody seems to love her. So I am not surprised by that at all. It felt very natural and authentic. Yes. So I was really, really there for it. I was very happy that we got another tiny nod to the Bible when Ella goes with the burning bush and Lucy goes, that one was actually me, don't tell anyone. Because they've done this with mom, with like byline referring to happenings in the Bible and stating, yeah, that was actually God, that was whoever. And I like the lightheartedness that they use for those lore inserts. What I really like that Lucifer and Ella now introduce this type of a dynamic that we would never ever in a million years got from Lucifer and Chloe. This lightheartedness, the fun, the fact that he speaks about Bible and she knows exactly what he's talking about. Yes. You know, even though uh, she has a little different view at that than many other people would it still introduces a lot of unique situations that I'm hoping that we're gonna get in the future. And this was a nice start to it. It's also nice that we still get like a side nod to her being Christian. Mm -hmm. But I was worried in the beginning of the season that it was gonna be too much or overplayed, her being Christian. But this was done very nicely. Yes. Because it's a reconfirmation that... Yes, we are aware that she is a Christian, but it only made it funnier. We also get our personal connection for Lucifer to the case, which we most of the time need. Because he feels like someone is stealing his thunder. Oh yeah. We get our title card 6 minutes 14 seconds in. And then we're still at the crime scene. And notice Lucy's still not telling Chloe about mom. Because she hasn't asked. And because we remember, or at least I remember, that he told his mom not to tell Chloe. And 
to claim that she's Charlotte. So the non-uttered lie still hangs over us. Yeah, I'm glad that you noticed that because I'm gonna have something to say about that later. And speaking of noticing, I love that Chloe doesn't even have to look at Lucy to know what bullshit (laughs) he's up to. Both times with the, don't touch the fire crotch. So good. So yeah, good crime scene, gruesome crime, lots of pun, lots of fun. (laughs) It rhymes. Next up, we're gonna follow the lead. Yeah, I named all the scenes in Wobble, Wobble, just to make it easier for myself. And then when I opened the document just now, I realized that I was naming them Wobble instead of Double B. I mistyped it the same way in the beginning. We get to learn a little bit more about Nick, our victim. And he was a dick. Also notice how Lucy's oversharing, once again, is being super helpful. For me, Chloe is smart enough to know that while it's annoying and maybe not 100% procedure-proof, usually she gets the best results when she just lets Lucy be his oversharing self. So it makes perfect sense for her to let him do it because she knows this is most likely gonna get the results that she needs. So no more complaining about anything in this regard from me in the future. Good. And then Ray shows up, the character of Ray, and I stopped and I was like, mm, where do I know this guy from? And I googled him. I Have you ever seen Chuck? Uh, only in parts. He is one of the main characters. Well, he's one of the side characters who is in the entire show. He's Chuck's best friend in the Electro store. This was actually a scene where I had to do a freeze frame for a moment. Because I work in IT and asking the HR guy to access the information felt off to me. So I had to check out the path he types in to access the video she couldn't access. And it's such a complicated file path because it's backslash archive backslash eternal backslash retreat. No way she could have typed it in herself. Well, I'm sure that she could but why would she? And I found it a very thin motive. I understand that they have to follow up on this, but it felt very thin for murder motivation. It made more sense in the next scene when the dude explains what else had been done to him. I think mostly she thought of it because of the way that he died. Yes. So next scene already made me happy, but my note is still very thin motivation. (laughs) But it gives us our next lead. And I love that once again, we get Chloe's gut reaction right after the confession she's like eh, something's not right her spidey sense is tingling yes and as usual she's right and i love that we keep doing this because i like her being so competent at her job and this is another one of those episodes where she does proper good police work yeah so we get mom back in this scene yeah Question. Yes. When Lucy pushes her into the elevator, Charlotte goes, they eat, darling. And then it comes out, yada, yada. So if she's so appalled that humans eat, does this now finally confirm to us that angels don't eat? And does Charlotte eat? Because episode two, she had to eat out of the trash. So is she as freaked out because she has to eat and now has to poop? Basically the whole Castiel losing his grace and 
becoming human and having to urinate and everything and not being happy with it is this what's happening to charlotte and this is why she's so freaked out by it this is how i read it yes <laughs> but it was hilarious but does this mean that the angels eat or not i think that they don't have to eat i still am on that boat but if they don't have to eat but eat do they then have to poop mm-hmm. i know I'm, i'm asking the most important questions all right so and now i assume you're gonna go into the whole lucy didn't lie because he didn't say anything well first i want to just talk about charlotte's motivations there a little bit because it feels like she is going about it the wrong way it feels like she is trying to understand lucifer but she doesn't give a fuck about humanity even though lucifer keeps telling her that he finds humanity fascinating and he is doing it because he wants to know more about it and she just refuses to accept that which i felt was very classic parent thing yeah i only care about you and not your interests exactly so that felt very human parent to me but that again kind of gave me this is she just doing it because is she playing him is she genuine yeah i still have a lot of questions about charlotte and that is not gonna stop after this episode same but then chloe shows up and she asks lucifer if he knows charlotte because she thought that they don't know each other that well and he doesn't lie he says we do and we don't because we do know each other because she's my mother but we don't because you think that she's charlotte so to me this was not entirely openly answering the question but he definitely was not lying i'd allow it thank you I should get you the little judge's hammer or something. No, no. Insert community gif from Chang. <laughs> I watch too much community, so now my brain is filled with community gifs. Clearly. We close up this scene with conversation between Lucifer and Chloe, where Lucy calls her out on the way she treats Dan. Yes. And again, as this show has done over and over and over again, it gives us th- this idea of Lucifer being the good guy trying to say, look this is affecting your daughter no it affects him and that's the only reason why he brings it up which was very obvious yeah he doesn't care about trixie yeah not yet he will love her you really think so he must because otherwise just he detests children which still hasn't been explained like it's still in my question list trixie is not normal child we've talked about this anyhow It was obviously a selfish reason. And then Dan shows up with this. Oh, we have another body. Which perfect end to the scene and perfect reason to go into the next one. Because now, next crime scene. And we have a song. It's a very short bit of a song. But the song's name is I Wonder by Naomi Pilgrim. But again, the second crime scene, fucking gruesome. When they remove the thing around his throat and you see how many apples have been st- stuffed into his throat wow such gruesome imagery and also again all the puns and i was there for all of them with the deep throat with the booby trap everything the booby trap one i had to stop (laughs) the episode to laugh because yes the pun itself is very very good the joke itself is very funny but the moment when lucifer says it he is already in the background and he is not in focus because chloe is in the front is in focus and she's reaching for the phone and you can just see lucifer grinning and turning to ella for appreciation of that joke and ella's like 
Oh, yes, great. <laughs> and I had to stop and just started laughing because that was so on point. It is also a nice confirmation from the first crime scene that the two of them really are into this back and forth with the puns and the inappropriate jokes and everything. But then it got really dark for me with the mention of the revenge porn because revenge porn is a thing that actually is happening in real life and it's such a fucked up thing. Oh god. You do have servers and pages on the internet where dudes, it's mostly dudes, upload private videos to shame people that have broken up with them and revenge porn is named that way for a reason and it's so fucked up. And this is one of the reasons why now in this day and age, you have to be so careful what you actually put in digital form. Any kind of video or photo, you have absolutely zero control over. And while you might trust someone while everything is going great, you can never be 100% sure how something is gonna be when things end, especially when they end badly. And I'm even more paranoid because I work in IT. And this is so fucked up. And I was so happy with the pun and he and the NSM scene gone wrong. And we had the nice presentation earlier. And now like, this is not how it should be. Like, I was totally in my element. And then it's like, revenge porn. <sighs> Fuck reality. Yeah. But there was a moment when somehow I wrote down that Chloe is very smart and observant. Because they notice that he is wearing uniform, but she's not. And she is too old to be a student. So she surmises that she must have been a teacher. Yeah. And she killed herself because of this entire thing. The entire episode is so gruesome. I know I keep repeating this fucking word because I don't have another one. It's fucking dark in all meanings of the word. Yep. And then we come to a thing that I actually like and I hope it comes up more often in the future. The question of morality between Chloe and Lucifer. Because it has been hinted at in season one. Every time Lucifer showed his devil face to someone and drove them insane. That is not justice what he did to those people. But I don't feel that Lucifer is a being that is interested in justice. He's interested in punishment and vengeance. And Glory as the moral human cop cannot condone vigilantes or vengeance in general. So this is a very interesting contrast. They are gonna have to find a common ground on this. Mm -hmm. Or it's gonna have to escalate more to a proper conflict. So I'm very, very curious how they proceed with this in the future. Yeah. There is a lot. But when we move on to the next scene, we go back to Lux. And there is obviously a song. Yeah, because we're in a club. Girls night out. Night. Afternoon. Whatever. Not important. As dark as it was at the crime scene, I decide it's night. <laughs> Day is a social construct. Is it though? <laughs> However, the song that is playing is called Asylum, which I think is quite fitting as well because this is kind of a therapy session, but also Lux is filled with people who are in a certain sense probably damaged. And it's by Desi Valentine. But I'm sure that you're going to have a lot to say to this scene because we get to see Linda and Mace again being friends. Yes, and we have Mace acknowledging that she is still at Lux. Exactly. Which made me so happy because this is what I was complaining about in the past. 
And while I do love complaining, I love it even more when my favorite characters acknowledge the issues that I had and solve them. Pretty much because Linda points out baby steps. This is this is a whole process. You have to go through a process. So we got Mace acknowledging the fact we have Linda being awesome as usual. And then when Mace has this realization how she might solve the situation with Lucifer and mom. While she does leave Linda alone at Lux, she leaves with a note to hot man bun that Linda was not not enjoying looking at to take care of her friend and he's instantly so nice to her because you're an amazing person oh yeah it's so cool but that brings me actually to another question since like the only other person than Dan who possibly might have friends outside of this close-knit group would be Linda but Linda is spending a hell of a lot of time working and she seems to be spending most of her free time with Mace now so does she have many friends outside of this group? I don't think that Linda has a very full social life She strikes me as a very classic workaholic. Mm -hmm. She loves her job. She loves her job. She's great at her job. But I also feel that she defines herself a lot over her work. Mm -hmm. And people who do that tend to fail in the private areas. Yeah. But speaking of Dan, coming up next, I only have awkward and... Chloe sucks at proper breaking it off with Dan. I feel like Chloe is still held back by the fact that they have a kid and she is punishing him for it because she feels like she can't let it go and she wants to... She's angry with him because she hoped that it would work out and now she's blaming it on him that it's not working. Which is fine. It's not healthy. No, it's understandable and fine on an emotional level. But if you feel that you can't forgive someone for something, then do the proper thing and end it and don't leave them hanging at the end of the rope with a maybe. Look, let's shelf this debate till the end because I know that you don't want to talk about what we find out later just yet. And I can't talk about this unless we put everything together. I'm just learning my issues with Chloe because when I first watched this show, I was like, Chloe. But now I actually can like put it into words. Why? Yeah. (laughs) Coming up, we go back to Lux. And we again have a song on. I call this scene more celestial family drama. And the song that is playing underneath the drama is called All Eyes on Me by Pigeon John. Okay. And All Eyes on Charlotte. Oh, yeah. Duh. Thank you. It's not like I watched this episode yesterday. (laughs) I should remember this. And again, Lucifer is being very touchy about his mother's sexuality. It's getting on my nerves now. I know that you don't like it and I am so into it because it feels like she knows that it is an issue for Lucifer and that's why she does it. Which makes it just worse for me. She says something to the content of when I started rubbing on some of the male ones or something while dancing. And I'm just like... Can we not? 
I'm not even gonna go into it because I've made my dislike of this thing and dynamic more than clear. So I'm gonna spare everyone the whining on my part. But it all transfers into Lucifer carries her out of the dance floor. And from the I'm not sure if she's just trying to play him, it devolves very quickly into she is definitely trying to manipulate him. She's trying to get under his skin. Oh, but why are you punishing people? Oh, you haven't always punished people. You used to be somebody else. Are you still trying to win him over is what she says, which is the worst thing basically that you can say to Lucifer. And she knows it. And this, on the other hand, is a dynamic that I totally can understand because this is family dynamic and nobody can get this much under your skin like family, especially your parents. This type of needling comments on your biggest hang-ups, drama, issues... And she knows enough of the dynamic between God and Lucifer to know that the statement, are you still trying to win him over, is the worst possible thing that she can say. Yep. So this plays 120% into the whole, she is playing him, she is manipulating him. And at this point in the episode, I'm okay, I'm not going to believe anything you do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we have that side plot. And then we go back to Wobble. We go back to Wobble. I don't like this scene. Chloe is back to being a good cop. I'm there for it as usual. But I'm also happy that the needling from the previous scene gives us a fully believable reason for Lucifer to re-immerse himself into the case. Yes. That was nicely done. But otherwise, the scene is just exposition, basically. I like that next up we have Mace bringing Ames back into the main storyline. And it opens with a fucking plucked Ames sitting on the floor, feathers all around him, him looking miserable and trying to get drunk. Dude, are you seriously trying to get drunk on red wine? I think, and that brings me to this scene when Mace finally gets inside and then you see all the takeaway food and empty bottles. I think... What is happening there that he, in fact, is getting drunk and he's starting to actually eat because he is losing his grace or he's falling out of grace and he therefore is becoming human. So he's starting to need all these things like food and drinks. And it's just a proof of him losing his divinity. So he actually might be able to get drunk on red wine and not have the same high tolerance that Lucy has for drugs and alcohol. Yes. Ooh, I didn't read it that way, but it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I'm there for it. You know what I absolutely adored and laughed out loud in this scene? <laughs> yes, the hand vacuum. <laughs> Yeah, same. Simply the fact that he has one is so amenadiel. He had to get one, obviously, because otherwise... No, no, I'm 120% sure he had one from the beginning he was down on Earth. Can't you just picture him? First thing he does when he pops to Earth is get a fucking hand vacuum Mm, to make sure... Which one is more powerful? (laughs) To get as little as possible human dirt anywhere i can just picture it so i was so there for it and i fucking laughed out loud when he was vacuum the fucking feathers with the hand vacuum coming up next we're again back at wobble wobble you keep saying that I took great issue with the phrasing of no one decides to be a Sin Eater. But also, obviously, it's the name drop for the episode title, once again, set by Lucifer. And this makes three for three episodes. And I'm curious if we're gonna, this season, stick with it to have Lucifer say the title. And also, I instantly didn't buy that Layla is the bad guy. It was way too obvious. Yeah. 
I literally said, it's not Layla, in all caps, and then I think. But we can move over to the penthouse, where, again, we start that off with a song called Share by Stacy. What? The song is called Share, as in sharing, or as in share, as in the singer, share? No, no, no. It's share as sharing. And I think that it refers to the moment that Ames and his mother share, most likely. I call the scene Celestial Reunion. Aww. This actually brings us back to the debate of... And we actually had some input from other Lucifer's fans telling us that angels are created with their bodies already. So it makes absolute sense that Charlotte instantly recognizes Amenadiel and he doesn't recognize her and tries to hit on her. Well, I wouldn't say hit on her. I mean, it's Ains' way of hitting on women. Really? I just read it as his utter incapability to interact normally with anyone. (laughs) I mean, that's not mutually exclusive. (laughs) But also this scene, for me, just once again confirms that mom is highly manipulative. Oh, yeah. Because she pretends to not recognize him. She's playing him with the would a good son, would a good son, leading him to the realization who she is with all this passive-aggressive bullshit that she's <laughs> lying on him. Because I'm pretty sure Amenadiel didn't have much choice back then. Yeah. I think it was either you're gonna take her there or you're gonna stay there with her. Basically, yeah. So there should be zero blame. If she doesn't blame Lucifer for keeping her in hell, she has no ground to blame Amanadiel for taking her down there. But that absolutely makes sense for her to treat Amanadiel this way because this is what works for him. Yes. And the way she treats Lucy is the way it works for Lucy. Yes. She knows them. She knows how to fucking play them. She knows exactly the buttons to push. And so even in my notes I have on this moment, I never trust mom to be genuine. I think we're gonna get a lot of interesting things that are tied to this. So yeah, we're gonna see how it goes. Yeah, I'm very excited about that because Trisha already proved herself in three episodes to be absolutely amazing actress. She plays mom amazingly. She is so good. But so far, not liking mom. She is the new Dan. Yeah, kinda. Season one Dan did a lot of, I don't want to call it gaslighting because it was too little to be actual gaslighting and I don't want to waste the actual bad word for it. But he was leaning towards manipulative and gaslighting behavior with Chloe. But she is, she's already proving to be a master at manipulating her two kids. And let's be honest, she also knew exactly how to manipulate Mace. Yep. So maybe she's going to be our big bad this season. Yep. We'll see. Yeah. A lot of people don't like season two because they don't love this whole mom story arc. But I am excited about it. And we'll see how it goes. Honestly, yeah, we'll see how it goes. We go back to the precinct and have the classic, can you enlarge moment, which is so cliche police procedural show. And I pretty much just said, she's not guilty, da, told you. And of course, the give us the enlarged, still amazingly sharp image. Well, okay, it's pixelated, but still, it's like, the what? Because that's how it works. And Lucifer and Chloe look at it and they see, oh, it's a gun. And so... We have to go back to the Wobble. Wobble place. And that leads us to the climax to the case. What? 
Eh. Before you say anything, I have another very, very short IT complaint. A server room is not hell, Lucy. It's the best place to be during summer. <laughs> But if you look at it, it does resemble hell a lot. No, there's no ash. There's no dust. It's not gray. No, the lighting and the colors no. are very, very close to how we saw hell in the last season. I refuse. I know that you refuse, but I'm not even listening. You're an IT person. Seriously, if you could sit right now in a server room, you would be so happy. I would be so fucking happy for sure. Do we have a song or no? I felt like there were fewer songs than usual in this episode. There was a little bit less songs than last time, but at least they were all on Spotify. Yay! It's not surprising to me that it is the HR guy, Raymond. I had to Google what halitosis is because I didn't know. Hella what? Lucifer says, oh, oh. the halitosis should have told it. Yeah. Was that a t-shirt? No. He was wearing a Def Leppard shirt, bitch. Seriously? I don't even know what that is. I'm sorry. No, halitosis is bad breath. Oh. I didn't know that. I had to Google the word because I didn't know what halitosis is. We learn something new every day. So you can surmise it later on when he talks to him because then Raymond says something and then, oh, the halitosis really spreads till here. So you could surmise what it means, but... Yeah, I missed it. I just assumed that it's a name of a band that he's wearing on his t-shirt. <laughs> no, he's wearing a Def Leppard shirt. And what is that? Is that That's a band though, right? Girl! Seriously? Yeah? Okay, homework, <laughs> Spotify, Def Leppard, and you have to listen to the three most popular Def Leppard songs, and I promise you will know all three of them. Mm, possibly. Oh my god, woman! I'm shocked! So, question. Yeah. Lucifer and Raymond talk, and Lucifer does this whole wonderful distraction thing with like asking him questions and yada yada, and Raymond having this realization and blah. Since Raymond became someone who enjoyed the torture, and thus became part of the problem. Mm -hmm. Does that mean Lucifer cannot enjoy the torture or otherwise he would also become part of the problem? I think so. And I think that what's... Burn up. Wait, wait, just leave it there because we come to this at the very end again. I just wanted to have agreement or disagreement on this moment. So you agree with me? Yeah, I agree with you. Perfect. Thank you. That's all I have for this scene. Okay. You look very, very confused by my focus and motivation with this question. I'm afraid that I gave you ammunition to something that I do not like. Maybe? I can see it in your face. Uh, for the listeners at home, she's <laughs> trying to look very innocent. She is not. It does not work. But yeah, the whole situation and the whole Punisher thing is extremely fucked up. My reaction to Chloe's solution was, Ha ha! Good one, Chloe! And I just... <laughs> To the fire extinguisher. Yeah, it was just... <laughs> I forgot that happened. And it just made me so happy because I kind of expected her to like... Because you get that little moment when she notices the overpass. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, she's probably gonna climb up there and then jump at him. But then he's standing there with a the Zippo. Yeah, then he would just drop it. So that wouldn't work. Exactly. So like, it just felt... Now I wonder if I should have done a freeze frame 
because it's really dark in that scene, maybe she sees the fire extinguisher. I'm gonna go back and see if the fire extinguisher is in the camera move where she sees the overpass. I don't think that she actually uses a physical fire extinguisher because you wouldn't use water. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't use sprinkles in a room where you have all the... Server room, yeah. I'm assuming that you as an IT would agree with that. Absolutely. So I'm assuming that she saw uh, like a panel up there because that's what I noticed when we get to see her again that she's standing next to a panel thing. I'm gonna go freeze frame that shit and then say that it's not a bullshit. Exactly, that it's not bullshit. I'm pretty sure that that is the case because I also thought that it was a actual physical fire extinguisher. But no, it was great. And the whole scene just made me quite happy because it again proved that Chloe is observant and super smart and I love her. Yes! Now we get to the ending up of the episode and we get back to the precincts. And this is what I'm basing my thoughts of Chloe hoping to forgive Dan eventually. Because she comes up to him and she recognized that she treated, didn't treat him well. And she may have been a little bit too harsh. And she apologizes and... Uh, this just made me wonder a little bit again what was the time jump between episode two and three because it feels like it must have been a little bit longer than the previous episodes were because it feels like it's been going on for a while and that's why she comes up realizing that she was a little bit too harsh and it's time to let it go mm. and she is kind of ready to forgive him and make a step into the direction of getting back together with him and I think that she is doing it for Trixie because she thinks that this is the and I agree with what you said before. They shouldn't be together. And Dan recognizes that. But I think that she, in her idea, because she lost her father, maybe, she sees family as a certain thing and it needs to be in a certain way. So you have to have parents that are together in order to have a good family or proper family or whatever. And I think that is based in all of us. We have this perception of something specific, what we see as family. And this is her perception. And I think that's why she is clinging on to it so badly. And I think that is the reason why I admire Dan so much, because I think he knows that. And I think that he still has feelings for Chloe, but he realizes that they will not work because of the things that happened between them and because they are just not right for each other. And it takes big balls to realize that and admit that to themselves. And to make that step. So done. Wow. Also, the way he phrases it is the best possible way because he leads with, I will always be Trixie's father, which is the biggest worry for Chloe. So him leading with that statement shows a very deep understanding of her. And the fact that they know each other really well. But also it's in season one, it sometimes felt as if Dan either didn't know Chloe as well as he should have being married to her or didn't respect her for being who and what she is. And in this scene, he is taking the hardship of ending it on himself, which to me is a bit redemption because he fucked it up. Yes. The entire thing. If we go back to all the communication regarding their relationship, she put them on pause because he didn't put Trixie and the family on a high enough priority. And then he fucked it up more when he broke the basis of trust mm -hmm. with the entire Malcolm and taking out the gun and everything. So him taking on the hardship of breaking it off for me redeems certain parts. Like he's not out of the woods yet for me. But this is brownie point number one in this moment. 
Brownie point number two is how he phrases it because it really shows this deep understanding and empathy. Mm-hmm. And also I feel that the emotion that happened to him it was the best thing. It's the best thing that happened to him, but we actually have a reference to that when he comes and brings the chocolate cake in the first Dan, Trixie, Chloe scene. He apologizes for, th- thank you for letting me do the pickup here. I've just been running around so a lot, uh, assisting at all the other cases. So I feel like the demotion really did wonders for his character development because it humbled him in the best sense of the word. You know me, I'm not a fan of cliche humbleness, mm-hmm. but there's a good kind of humble. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Dan really learned and accepted the good kind of humble. And I'm there for it. I'm completely completely on team Dan not in the sense of go back with Chloe but as I'm cheering for this character and I want good things to happen to this character now yeah he's not one of my favorite characters sorry that spot is still occupied by two people so no more room but I was really impressed yeah for sure Dan the man Dan has a big step to positive thinking But to me, this scene was very important for Chloe as a character as well, because I think that it shows us a lot of her thinking and her point of view towards relationships, the way she behaved in this scene. And I know that you don't love Chloe, but I am here for this. I like this. But we can move on to the... Celestial family drama? Oh yeah, back to the drama. So interesting thing about this scene is that Ames is flat out lying to his mother and to Lucifer because he claims that the reason he's not bringing mom back is because he decided to side with her. It might be a lie by omission, which for you is not a lie. No, 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 no. I'm pretty sure that he would have taken her back if he would still be all and mighty. Really? I'm pretty sure he would. I think that he's the type of a character he would be so proud and so himself because he was still very righteous at the beginning. He was ready to take her back and then he started losing his powers. So I think that he is masking the fact that he lost his powers by lying. It's definitely part he's masking it definitely 100%. No argument there. But I totally didn't read it as if he could he would bring her back instantly because I felt back in the earlier Celestial drama scene that mom really got to him before we proceed with the father has a tendency to overreact yeah does he though because in episode two the overreactions that are documented in the bible were actually mom's doing so the only overreaction that we have is lucifer getting kicked into hell and mom getting kicked to hell in the first place seeing how fucking manipulative she is maybe he had a good reason yeah but like you could say that about lucifer as well there is a reason that he got kicked out they could have just stalked it out maybe father doesn't have a tendency to overreact maybe they're mistaken maybe they are so i'm curious (laughs) the old testament god is wrathful and overreacting and everything no argument there yeah so i'm curious what type of god we have for father i liked the moment where lucifer turns mom's manipulation back on her in what way when she was trying to get under his skin earlier with oh you're trying to please your father whatever and he now comes back and says i like to punish people ha and here i come back in to where i stopped you earlier i know if lucifer enjoys the punishing how does that not make him the same as raymond 
I think that there is a difference because I don't think that he enjoys punishing people. I think he likes to punish people and I feel that there's a difference. He's not doing it for the act of punishing. He's doing it because they deserve it. I feel he very much enjoys the punishing. I'm very, very curious if they're gonna make a clearer distinction between why Raymond became part of the problem and why Lucifer didn't. For the finishing of this scene, Lucifer's plan for mom is fucking devious and brilliant. It's so good. I only have one tiny issue with it. Mm -hmm. The poor Richard's family. Putting mom into their family is gonna fuck them up. They have kids, for fuck's sake. I know Lucifer doesn't like children, but really? You know what your mom is as a mom? And you're gonna send her into a family with children? Shame on you, Lucifer. Well, for one, I think that if she is trying to prove that she is a good mom. Yeah, of course, I know. But still, it's like poor Richard's children. That's one thing. And the second thing is, I mean, Charlotte wasn't really taking care of her kids anyway, when she still was a Charlotte. I know, but still. Yeah, it's a very good plan. I absolutely agree with you. It's very good. And we can just move over to Charlotte walking home. We get a song playing. All right. And the song's name is Old Habits by Hot Buddies in Motion. <laughs> That's a very nice title. Which is a very nice title, exactly. And I just asked myself, oh, is this mom realizing that she actually has more power and strength than she thought? Yeah, I put it as, so mom has a few more tricks up her sleeve, which apparently she hadn't realized, but given the smile at the end, doesn't mind at all. I feel like this is building up on the last moment of the previous episode when she looks up to the sky with that smile. And this is directly following that. Yeah. But I don't think that she knew that she had. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't think so. Because I think she's still learning what this puny human body containing her actually can do. How much of her powers she can actually use. And I'm also curious, in so many shows where you have like a higher being inside a human vessel, the vessel will get used up if the higher power, higher being, whatever, uses too much energy. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious if we get like this classic side effect or if they're gonna turn this trope onto the head or... I'm curious, but yeah, mom, not on the good team at the moment for me at all. Nope. And also, this episode is making me take off the question, do Lucifer and other angels need vessels off the list? Because I feel like... We have answered that. We agree that mom needs a vessel, dad... Dad, potentially, probably. But angels do not have vessels, but we're still not sure about the eating and the pooping. Yep. Good. So I've stricken that question from the record. Very good. Very good. Do you want to go first with your final thoughts? I don't really have many final thoughts on this episode. I immensely enjoyed writing on this one. Mm -hmm. As I said before, all props to Alex Ketznelson. Yay! Unusual for me, I enjoyed the puns. I'm 100% on Team Dan. I'm super happy that pretty much all the side characters got at least a short appearance without it feeling forced. Everything really matched together organically. And I'm really happy that we now have 
for me, it's very clear what the main plot of this season is gonna be now. Because we really sorted the whole Chloe Dan issue. Mm-hmm. And now our focus is gonna be on the Celestial Family drama. In my opinion, this is gonna be season two. And I'm happy because this automatically means for me that any potential drama, relationship, potential love, bullshit between Chloe and Lucifer is gonna have to take a backseat. Yeah. So while I was a uh, nitpicking Nancy in the last episode. This one brought me around back on track. I'm here for it. Can't wait for the next one. Go Lucifer! (laughs) Yeah, this episode was definitely a lot about Lucifer realizing his own worth and Lucifer realizing what he is doing and why he's doing what he's doing. And that type of a build-up. And I really enjoyed that. I really liked that. He is developing his relationship with Ella, which I am absolutely here for, as we (laughs) talked about earlier. Their interaction is so funny. And I think we needed that because he doesn't really have that with anybody else. Yeah. We needed somebody who's going to be a little bit more lighthearted in the setting. We need some levity. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Because nobody was appreciating Lucifer's sense of humor in the first season and I felt like it was wasted (laughs) a little bit that there was nobody to build on with. Also, this episode was massive for Dan and the fact that, and we talked about this in deep as well, the fact that he decided to end the marriage and letting himself and Chloe free to be able to move on is a massive, massive thing. And again, here for it. And Dan is just on a roll. Yeah. So yeah, that's pretty much me. I'm enjoying what I'm seeing so far. I also feel that season two already feels more, oh, we're gonna have a proper arc in this season than in season one. I fully understand the first season needs to have like room to establish the characters and yada yada. So to have the overreaching arc made as clear in the beginning is much harder and sometimes takes away from character development. So I'm happy the way they did it in season one. But usually I'm a huge fan of give me a proper season arc. Yeah. So since this is now being made very clear, I'm hopeful and I'm there for it. Let's keep watching. (laughs) Yeah, that should be our catchphrase. Let's keep watching. There's a lot more to come. (laughs) Yes. So for anyone who missed it, even though I can't imagine how you can miss it, the release date for the first part of season five has been announced. And not just that, we also got a confirmation that there will be a final, final season six. Which we've heard before, so... Just in case you're wondering, we're gonna cover every season no matter how many final final seasons they do. No worries, we're both extremely stubborn (laughs) and this podcast is gonna cover the entirety of Lucifer. So help me fucking God. And that just brings us to the end. So thank you, everybody, for listening. If you want to keep in touch with us, you can do so via our various social media or you can send us an email to lucifer at taot-podcast.com. Our episodes can be found on Spotify and iTunes. If you're looking for other ways to get involved, besides telling all your friends that they absolutely have to listen to us, you can find us at patreon.com slash taot-podcast. We have a few absolutely amazing human beings who already support us there and they will have our eternal gratitude no matter if we end up in heaven or in hell. So thank you, lovely, lovely patrons. If you want to become one of those, go to that page. And with this we say, bye! bye.